0: Before we open the scriptures, I want you to take just a minute. I want you to think with me. I want you to think with me about your birthday. And I want you to think that your mom, dad, grandparents, whoever you are with, say, hey, tomorrow is your day and we're going to make it a special day. And so we're going to start with whatever you want for breakfast. So I want you to imagine what you're going to have for breakfast. Maybe tell your neighbor, hey, this is what I'm eating. I'm having a donut from the donut box and it's going to be on point. You have a great breakfast now, what are you going to do? Maybe you're going to go to the recliner and you're going to go back to sleep because you don't normally get up for breakfast on your day off, right? Maybe you're going to go out and you're going to go for a walk outside. Maybe some of the guys, we're going to go play golf, right? Or go do something, right? Now you got lunch. You get to go anywhere you want. You can go to Firehouse, get you a free sub on your birthday. Do they still do that? Amen. There we go, all right? You go to Firehouse, get you a free sub. Right? Or go to Elwood Shack, get you a big old pizza or something like that. Now you've got the whole afternoon. Your mom, your dad, whoever's with you says, Look, whatever you want to do, let's go. You're going and you're gonna get to do whatever you want to do in Memphis, right? Comes to dinner, you go home, mom's cooked your favorite meal. Favorite meal. You sit down, boy, you're full. You're happy. They give you gifts. And then they bring out the cake that you picked, right? This is the year you got to pick the cake. Now, if I was picking the cake, it would be a white cake with white icing. Now, I know many of you probably would pick that same cake, right? Anybody? Okay, like, thank you. All right, good. A white cake, white icing with little bitty, uh, the little mini chocolate chips on it. Is anybody with me? Anybody still with me? No, okay, a couple people. All right. Now, I want you to imagine on my perfect birthday, I've planned my perfect birthday. Lindsay has made me my favorite cake, and she sets the cake down in front of me, and she says, honey, I know that you wanted a white cake and white icing. But they didn't have the mini chocolate chips, so I used the bigger chocolate chips. I hope that's okay. Now, I've just had the perfect day, right? You've just had the perfect day. What would be your response if you were at my house and you were with me on my birthday, if I looked at that cake and I said, Honey, and I picked the cake up with my hands and threw it on the ground and said, Don't bring this trash in here. What would you think about me in that moment? Exactly. You would think, like, you're the worst human imaginable, right? You would think, oh my goodness, all these great things have happened to you today. And you get the big chocolate chips, not the mini chocolate chips, and all of a sudden, you throw the cake in the ground. Now, this isn't too far of a stretch, but how many of us do similar things with our life every day? That we have all these things that go on maybe going good for us, or maybe just things we don't notice that we take for granted every day. We wake up in a warm house. We wake up and we put on clothes, many times that are clean. Some of you guys probably that are still dirty, but that's your choice. And we go about our day and we have all these things and yet we go to get some, maybe Burger King and they leave out our fries and our whole day's ruined, right? Or maybe, right, We go and we're trying out for the team, basketball, football, whatever it is. We don't make the team. And what do we do? We go home and we pout for days. Our life is ended. Maybe guys, and you got a big uh, dance coming up. You go to ask this young lady if she would like to accompany you to the dance. And she says no and doesn't tell you why. And what do you do? She hates me. All girls hate me. I'm a loser, right? Right? Or maybe it's even something serious. Maybe it's you're doing everything right. You're the perfect kid and your parents come in one day and say, hey, we're getting a divorce. Dad lost his job. We've got to move. Maybe it's serious things. Whatever it is, I think we all could resonate to some extent that sometimes life doesn't go the way we planned. Small or big, sometimes things happen that we didn't want and that we didn't plan for. I want us to look Today, tonight, real quickly, at a a section in 1 Kings. So if you got your Bible, turn to 1 Kings. And we're gonna look at this guy named Elijah. And Elijah is kind of the king of all the prophets. If you go to the New Testament, the Mount of Transfiguration, the representation of the prophets, all right? The Old Testament prophets, these people that spoke the word of God, the representation is Elijah. In other words, he would be kind of the poster child for all prophets. In other words, he's a pretty cool good guy, right? He knows what he's doing, okay? And so Elijah's a big deal, and we're going to look and see of a situation when things didn't go as Elijah planned in verse, or chapter 19. And before we do that, I want some of y'all to help me tell the last two chapters because some of you maybe haven't read 1 Kings in a while, all right? Let's look at verse uh, chapter 17 and 18. Somebody tell me, I'll start it off and you fill in the gaps. So Elijah goes to Ahab and tells him what? Does anybody know? There's going to be a drought. Good, I didn't hear anybody say that, but I'll assume you were thinking it, all right? He goes and says, there's going to be a drought, and then God tells Elijah to go where? Does anybody know? Where? You're reading it, aren't you? Down to a brook, right? And he says, I'm going to give you water from the brook, and I'm going to feed you from a what? A raven, right? I'm going to give you this food. I'm going to provide for you. And then I'm jumping through a lot of stuff, but he comes eventually back to Ahab and says, there's going to be a drought. This is not good. And he leads him again and takes care of him again. And then we come to chapter 18. Does anybody know what happens on Mount Carmel? Somebody knows this story. This is like famous. All right, he has a face-off with the prophets of who? Baal, all right? Long story short... He basically, it's a really cool story, you can go back and read it, he taunts them. all right. I love it. Elijah basically looks at the prophets of Baal and says, hey, let's let your God and my God go up against each other and let's see who wins. And basically says, get your God to light the altar, go. And starts making fun of them. At one point says, is your God in the bathroom? Does he not know you're calling for him? right? And then he comes to his turn to let God light the altar and says, hey, before we light the altar, does anybody know what is not good for fires? Anybody have a guess? Water. He says, pour some water on the altar. And then what does he do? Elijah's pretty, feeling pretty big in himself right now. What does he do? Hey, pour some more water on it. And then he's feeling really big and bad. And he does it a third time. Go pour some more water on it. And what does God do? He lights the fire. God has just shown up in an amazingly big way in Elijah's life, not just in lighting the fire, but in letting him go before the king and providing for him. He has done all these things. And you would think, Elijah, at this point, everything is going good for him, that he'd be pretty settled in. He'd be pretty trusting of God, right? And we come to chapter 19. And just look at the first, it's not going to be on the screen, but look at the first two verses there. It says, now Ahab told Jezebel, Ahab's the king, Jezebel's the queen, everything that Elijah had done and how he killed all the prophets with a sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah. May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them, talking about the prophets that he had killed. Now, imagine with me. I would think Elijah at this point would feel like everybody's going to bow down to my God and worship them, right? Right? I've done everything right. Everybody's gonna be on board. Jezebel's not on board. And she says, I hate you. I want to kill you. You would think Elijah would feel pretty comfortable to be like, okay, come on, right? Wouldn't you think? Fast forward through 19 and then we're gonna jump back in and dig into it. Elijah runs in fear. He runs in fear. He hides under a tree over 100 miles away from her, and begs God to kill him. You want to talk about what I would look at in this side, an overreaction. Elijah just had God show up in one of the coolest ways, and Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you, and he goes and hides under a little tree and says, kill me. Now God was good to him. And God brought Elijah back. But I want us to look at a couple of things for all of us. When things don't go according to plan, what do we need to do? The first thing is there's three battles we're all going to face immediately. When things don't go according to plan, there's three battles that we're going to face immediately. The first is a battle of our feelings. Look at verse 3. It says Elijah was afraid. Elijah was afraid. Here's the deal. Jezebel was pretty scary. Jezebel killed people all the time. Jezebel is not a name that many of you, when you hear it, you don't usually think bad stuff, right? I mean, she's kind of notorious for being bad. So he had a reason to be scared. He also needs to under you need to understand, he's just gone through a pretty tense situation. How many of you have had a really tense, maybe a presentation that you've been working on for weeks and you stand up and you do the presentation and when it's done, you're like exhausted? Anybody? It takes a lot of energy, Right? Maybe you have a huge game, right? You have a huge game. You've been preparing. You've been training. You play the game of your life. And after the game, just to be honest, not just physically, but emotionally, mentally, everything, you're just exhausted. Elijah had all these feelings running through, and feelings are not bad. Guys, when things don't go your way and you're frustrated, that's normal. If you didn't get a little frustrated, I'd be worried. It's okay sometimes to get a little frustrated. The question is, do you allow those feelings, though, to rule your actions? I say it all the time. I know Steve Price says it. Feelings are good followers. They're not good leaders. And Elijah was allowing these feelings to lead him. And so he ran and he hid. How many of us, when things don't go our way, we allow those feelings of sadness to rule us? And all of a sudden we say, you know what? I'm just going to quit playing basketball forever because I didn't make the team. You know what? I'm just going to quit being around people forever because nobody likes me. You know what? I'm just going to go get on social media and watch videos because that makes me feel better. I'm going to self-medicate. I'm going to do whatever I need to do because these feelings are overwhelming and they're now making our decisions. So the battle of feelings. Second thing, the battle to run and hide. Look at verse 3. Elijah was afraid, and what does it say? And he what? Ran. He ran for his life. Now, check this out. This is really cool. Go back to the story before. When God sent Elijah in front of Ahab, God told Elijah where to go after. If you go back and read it, you'll know that he moved him down beside a brook. He moved him to a place where he could take care of him. But what does Elijah do this time? It says he's afraid and he ran for his life. And it says he ran to Beersheba. Beersheba is about 120 miles from where he was. Easily walking by yourself, that's six days. He was so scared of Jezebel that he walked or ran for six days to get away from her. Now here's what's crazy. When God finally moves him from underneath this tree, he tells him to go to Mount Horeb. It's the mountain of God. 250 miles from where he was. Y'all catch this. Because Elijah didn't run immediately to God, but he ran and hid himself, he ended up moving 350 to 60 miles. As opposed to going to God and letting God protect him to protect himself, he ended up probably 50 days of walking. How many of us, when we, Have this battle to run and hide that we throw away days of our life whining about something that happened. And I say whining because many times that's what it is. It's small. Big stuff, it is heavy. I'm talking about the little stuff. You throw your cake on the ground, right? Let's be honest. You don't wake up the next morning and go, Mom, I was sorry. Can you make me another one of them cakes today? Mom's going to be like, no, I'm not making you another cake for a while, right? Right? How many times we allow whatever happens that doesn't go according to plan to overwhelm us and to almost take over what we need to be doing. Sometimes we need to stop and go, wait a minute. I don't need to overreact. I need to see things from God's perspective. Which leads us to this next battle. This is the last battle before we get into what God's called us to do. It's the battle of selfishness. Look at Elijah 19 verse Ten says, he replied, all right, so this is uh, Elijah talking to God. God says, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. All of a sudden, what happens this battle, when things don't go according to plan, we immediately start looking and thinking about ourselves. Elijah says, I've been doing this. I'm the only one that knows this feeling. How many of us going, I'm the only one that's had this ever happen to me. I'm the only one that's ever been through this issue. I'm the only one that knows this pain. And we immediately start to look at ourselves. We immediately start to see this focus turn inward and all of a sudden we begin to be so focused on ourselves that we forget to see how this impacts others. We forget to see what God is doing around us. We forget to see all the other good stuff and we forget to see what God may be doing in the bigger picture. I have three amazing sons. They are awesome. They're not perfect. None of us are, but they're so much fun to be around. And so different, all three of them. But if you know my two older boys who are both in high school, Quentin and Wyatt, uh, they look a little different than me because they are adopted. Uh, We got to adopt both of them from birth, and both of them were born very small. Both of them, we got to spend a whole month in the NICU, Um, that's the um, neonatal intensive care unit. Basically, it just means they could not uh, do everything they needed to do on their own, they needed medical attention. And so we lived in San Antonio for a month out of a hotel, two different times, while we were waiting for them to get healthy enough to come back to Tennessee. Now, one of those times, we had been waiting for the month. I think it was the second time, so we had Quentin with us in the hotel for the entire month. Finally, we know they're about to let Wyatt go. And we call our adoption agent. We say, hey, we have not been able to see the birth mother and birth father and visit with them while we've been here. We'd love to do that, but... I'm just letting you know, we've been here for a month. When they let us go, I'm gone. Like, I'm going home. I wanna sleep in my bed. I wanna eat my food. I'm tired of living in a hotel. We're going home. We heard nothing. We heard nothing. We called them several days. Finally, they dismiss us. We call them, still nothing from our adoption agency. We get in the car. We're heading home, we drive about four hours and all of a sudden our adoption agency calls and says, hey, we would love for y'all to come by before you leave. I said, well, that would be awesome, but we're already gone, right? And they said, well, no, you need to come back. Well, no, we're, we're gone, we're, we're not leaving. And they proceeded to let me know that we couldn't leave. They said, well, there's paperwork you've got to sign. If you want to do this for the boys, you've got to come back. And so we, I remember pulling over to Sonic and I was very mad and very frustrated. Hours in the car, right, with two little babies. After I've been down there for an entire month. Long story short, we end up driving back. We get to spend time with the birth mother. It was a great experience. It was a wonderful visit. I'm so glad we came back. We go to the agency the next morning. And these, these ladies are extremely nice. So I don't mean this bad, but they, the what they said brought up in me this selfishness. <laughs> they said... Hey, we knew you would come back. You're just too nice. I immediately, I can remember them saying this to, the, to this day. I can remember that feeling that came into me go, You took advantage of me. You took advantage of the fact that I'm a nice guy. And I can remember that. And I can remember for days being mad about that. And now I'm on this side of life and I see from a little bit bigger where my boys are older. I've forgotten what it was like to live in a hotel for a month. And I'm going, I'm so glad we went back. Why did that bother me so much that she took advantage of me being nice? How selfish of me to think that I wouldn't do that for something that was so important. How selfish of me that I would be concerned that this woman's taking advantage of me for the benefit of my boys or for the benefit of the birth mother. How many times for us we, we get stuck and we can't step away and look at the big picture of God, what God is doing, maybe we're missing, we missed being on the team because God had bigger plans for us. So let's look at that. If we fought those three battles, and we're going to do this real quick, what are the three actions we see here in Elijah that we need to do when things don't go as planned? First of all, we've got to be patient. We've got to be patient. You see, Elijah acted quickly, and it cost him these 300 miles of going around. And finally, God brings him into this cave, and God says, I want you to listen to me. And how many times does God say to us, I want to talk to you. I want to explain this circumstance. Now, I'm not telling you that God's going to give us all the answers. I'm not going to tell you that every time something bad happens, you'll understand why. We don't. But there's a lot of times that I think God wants to tell us what's going on. He wants to show us a new side of himself. But there's so much noise in our life. Because we pull out the phone and we look at everybody else's perfect life. Because we get in a crowd and we compare ourselves to everybody else. Because we constantly are looking around as opposed to looking at the Lord. And there's so much noise we can't hear what God is saying. And Elijah goes out. He has the wind that comes by, nothing. Has an earthquake that comes by, nothing. And you can go back and read this. It's really cool. Fire comes by, nothing. And then a gentle whisper. God speaks to him and tells Elijah what to do. So many times God says, look, I just need you to slow down and look and listen for what I want you to learn through this situation. Because how many times our plans are based on what's best for us, what we want, what we need. And God says, I think I know better what you need. I listened to a podcast the other day, and Tim Tebow was talking about when he just recently got cut from the Jacksonville Jaguars. And he said, for a week or so, I was upset. I was mad. I was pouting about it. And then all of a sudden, the U.S. troops pulled out of Afghanistan, and the group that he works with, I think it was Samaritan's Purse or somebody, went in to help, and he got to go and be with them. He said, I was there for about two minutes. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks what God had been doing. He said, had I not ever tried out for the Jacksonville Jaguars, I'd have been doing something else and I wouldn't have gone to Afghanistan. Had I still been on the Jacksonville Jaguars, I would not have gone to Afghanistan. But he said, I realized God putting me at the Jaguars, cutting me when he did, brought me to this point in Afghanistan where he could serve and minister to these people. And he thought, how selfish of me to have not been patient to see what God was doing in my life. How many times for us... Do we just not wait to see, God, this isn't going according to plan. What are you doing? What is going on? What are you teaching me through this? Second thing, be disciplined. Be disciplined. Elijah is laying under a tree, begging to die. And God says, this is where Elijah kind of comes through and does the right thing. God says, get up and I need you to go there. You would think Elijah would be like, I can't do it. I just got to lay here and die, right? No, Elijah stands up And he goes. He does what he's supposed to do. How many times for us, things don't go according to plan, and all of a sudden, I don't feel like going to church. Things don't go according to plan. We say, I don't feel like reading my Bible. Things don't go according to plan. I don't feel like doing the right thing. Right? Because Satan wants that. Satan wants to tempt us in that moment of weakness to go, It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If you do the right thing or not, look at this bad thing that happened. But no, we see here, he's saying, look, you need to be disciplined. When things don't go according to plan, I'll be honest with you guys, I've been a Christian most of my life, and even even as a pastor, even as a pastor here at Bellevue, there have been days I've woke up and I said, I don't want to read my Bible today. And I've opened my Bible, and to be honest, I get about a verse into it, and I'm just like, "I I don't want to do this. And sometimes I just sit there. Sometimes I dig in more and sometimes I shut my Bible and I'm like, I don't care. But what I know is, no matter how I feel, God has told me, look, we are not going to allow feelings to be our rulers. We're going to get up and we're going to be disciplined with what we're supposed to do. Years ago, I heard a podcast and a girl said, there's three things for knowing God's will. Number one, is it against God's word? God's never going to contradict himself in God's word or in his word. So if you are trying to decide what you're going to do, Hey, do I want to steal this or not? Okay, not God's will, right? Do not steal. That's pretty easy, right? Number two, are you growing in your walk with the Lord? And that's where most of us get stuck. God, where do you want me to go to school? God says, I want you to read your Bible. God, who do you want me to date? I want you to pray. Hey God, what do you want me to do in this situation? I want you to be kind to others. So many times we get hung up on what God is doing is that things didn't go according to plan and God's going, look, you're not doing things according to the plan. I don't know about all this stuff, but I do know that I've told you to do this. The third thing, which is not part of this, though, is what do you want to do? We can, that's a whole other sermon and we can do that another, another day. But I would encourage you, not just being patient, but when things don't go according to plan, be disciplined. And then the last thing, be connected. So Elijah... He's been under this tree. He was disciplined enough to get up. He was patient enough to wait for what the Lord said. And then the Lord moved him out. And the first thing we see in verse 18, go down to verse uh, 18 of chapter 19. It says, yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel. All these knees have not bowed down to Baal, and all whose mouths have not kissed. And then look verse 19, sorry. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha. The first thing he does after getting up and going is he goes and involves somebody else in what he is doing. How many times for us something doesn't go according to plan and we keep it all to ourselves? How many times do we tell ourselves nobody else knows what I'm going through? Nobody else would understand. Nobody else could help me. Nobody else, and Pastor talked about this with our thoughts, right? Nobody else has ever been walked through this road before. And he talks about He says, you've got to say that. You've got to get that out. You've got to call a friend. You've got to call a pastor. You've got to connect with your parents and say, I'll be honest with you. One of the things I've learned from pastor and one of the things I hate doing, and I tell my boys this a lot, I'll come to them and say, hey, I'm just going to be honest with you. Here's what I'm thinking. And I'm getting that out because Satan doesn't want me to get it out. I'm thinking I'm really frustrated with you right now. I'm thinking that I messed up here. Am I right? Am I wrong? I'm thinking that I really had this idea in mind and it didn't go the way I thought. I'm getting that out so that I can process through that, so I can work through that. How many times for us do we keep that inside? And what we see here from Elijah is that Elisha was excited to be a part of it. Elisha was excited to leave his parents and go be with Elijah. How many times our friends are excited that we opened up and we talked to them? That they wanted to help us. That they wanted to be involved in what was going on. But how many times do we keep that to ourselves? There was a study that I came across years ago that said most teenagers would rather be in their rooms with their phone and nobody else than out with a few friends and not have their phone. And the reason was this article was saying is because... What? When you're with a few friends and you don't have your phone, what are we thinking? What what else am I missing out on? When we've got our phone, we know everything. But here's the deal, guys. And I love phones and I'm I'm pro-phone. I'm cool with that, all right? I think there's some limits you got to put on it. I think there's all kinds of things we've got to watch for. But so many times in a phone, we don't connect. So many times through a phone, we communicate words. We don't communicate feelings. We communicate We don't communicate connection. There's something about looking somebody in the eye, right? When I look at you right now, you're kind of like, okay, this is weird. Stop looking at me, right? It's just different when you're in the room with somebody. And so many times when things don't go according to plan, we've got to get in the room with somebody else and we've got to connect with them. Here's what I'll tell you guys. Satan wants you, when things don't go according to plan, to keep it to yourself. God wants you or Satan wants you to realize that, you know what? This feeling, I need to let this feeling help me make decisions. You know what? It is about me. And so many times Satan says, you know what, God? He's not talking to you right now. He's probably never going to talk to you. You know what? Why would you read your Bible? It doesn't matter. Things don't go according to plan anyway. And so many times we walk through these battles and we see these things that, that God told Elijah he was supposed to do and we push them off to the side And we allow Satan to win the battle in our minds. We allow Satan to win the battle in what's going on. And we miss out on the blessings. I fully believe that there are some times that God withholds clarity, that God withholds um, himself to some extent to us when we're disobedient or when we keep those things uh, and we go against God's word. I think God wants to show himself to us. God's not a... A guy who's up there making these secret decisions and never wants you to know who he is. We know that through Scripture. God wants us to know him. And God says, look, I'm not going to change my plan for you. But at the same time, my plan's a lot bigger than what you can see. And so here's the challenge I want to give to you. I want everybody just to look at me. I want you just to decide right now. From what you've heard tonight. About how things sometimes aren't going to go according to plan. What is the truth of Scripture that you're going to say, you know what, this is a truth that I'm going to apply to my life and I'm going to use when things don't go according to plan. I don't want you to tell me. You don't have to write it down. But I want you in your mind to say to God, God, when things don't go according to plan, I'm going to be patient. God, when things don't go according to plan, I'm going to be disciplined. God, when things don't go according to plan, I'm going to make sure I stay connected to other people. What is the truth that you are going to hold? Grace started the night kind of talking about the three circles. For some of you in this room, you go, to be honest with you, I'm not connected at all to this group. I just come because my parents make me. And it's because you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I think Grace shared the gospel beautifully. And real quick, three circles thing. That First and foremost, if you're going to realize that things aren't going to go according to plan, you've got to change your plan and say, God, whatever plan you have for my life. You're now my Lord. You're my Savior. I'm turning away from my sin. I give my life to you. That's the first thing. And then you enjoy this journey that we're all on of trying to figure out what does it look like that no matter what happens in my life, I will still trust God.